0: All right. If you look back to the last verse of chapter 20, uh, chapter 39, you know, Joseph has been put in prison, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. So Potiphar has him put in prison, could have had him executed, but didn't, had him put in prison. Uh, Don't picture Bell County jail. Don't picture Huntsville, Gatesville. I wouldn't want to be in any of those places, but compared to where Joseph was, uh, they're pretty nice compared to where Joseph was. So here's what it says. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So once again, we read that God is with Joseph. He has been given responsibility in the dungeon, in the prison. Uh, He operates and moves with great success because God is uh, blessing him and blessing people through him. Now, it may seem like limited success to us when you are in an Egyptian prison, but please notice you can't miss it. God is at work. And today we're really going to see what God is doing in the life of Joseph. So we look at chapter 40. And I want us to begin by thinking about, as we think about Joseph in prison, Joseph's prisoners, verse 1, chapter 40. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody... In the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. So it sounds like their, their digs are a little step above where Joseph and the rest of the prisoners were. Verse four, the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. We'll stop right there in the middle of of, of verse four. Joseph is now 28 years old. He has been in Egypt. 11 years. And at the age of 30, he will ascend to the service of Pharaoh. Now, how do we know all that age stuff? Well, if you look back at chapter 37 verse 2, this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks. You leap forward to chapter 41 verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And then you look back at chapter 41, verse 1. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. That's where he becomes 30 and is going to ascend to the throne. So subtract two years and he's 28. So Joseph is 28 years of age. I think all of us in this room would agree that's a young man. Can you remember 28? So there has been 11 years between chapter 37, verse 2, and chapter 41, verse 1. The 11 years are divided between Potiphar's house and the prison, and we don't really know totally how long he was where. But 11 years in Egypt, uh, that's a long time. And it is a dungeon. It is a it is a pit. And we know that from chapter 40, verse 15, where Joseph is talking to the cupbearer, and he says, I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon, or some translations say a pit. So Joseph is in a hard place. If you can imagine what a pit or a dungeon would have been like in uh, 2000 B.C. or thereabouts. It would have been an awful place to live, a place of of misery. But what is so amazing to us is the strength and the God commitment of Joseph even in the most difficult of places. Two high-profile prisoners join him. In, in prison, not in the same dungeon, but in the same prison. The royal cupbearer and the royal baker. Now these are two pretty important servants. Um, you think about the cupbearer and the baker, and you understand that the life of Pharaoh is in the hands of those two men. They serve him his drink, And they serve him his food. So they're very, very important men. And the cupbearer especially, at least according to historical documents, would have been more than just a pourer of drinks. He would have been um, kind of like the guy who follows around at the right hand of Pharaoh wherever he goes and does this and does that, a valet kind of kind of position, and even in some cases, historically at least, an advisor. So this cupbearer, we only know what we're told, but what we do know is he was important and the baker was important. And it would be essential, as far as Pharaoh is concerned, that the cupbearer and the baker be men of integrity and men of loyalty. Uh, the cupbearer, like a butler, a valet, the baker, the chief chef. Um, so what happened? The Scripture doesn't tell us. We don't know what the cupbearer and the baker did to offend Pharaoh. Some have conjectured that he got ill after a meal and became angry, wondering if they had poisoned him or one of them, had poisoned him. that That's possible. The word offended is used in the text that they were offended. They offended Pharaoh. I, w- I would think suspicion of an assassination attempt would be more than being offended. Perhaps they stepped out of line. Perhaps their comments were inappropriate. Perhaps he was just having a bad day and was offended. We don't know what happened. But it must have been serious because ultimately it's going to cost one of them his life. Therefore, the thought on the part of some historians and commentators that maybe there was the suspicion of an assassination attempt because he will ultimately take the life of of one of these two men. Uh, But we don't know. Whatever the case may be, again, whose hand are we seeing moving in everything that's happening, the hand of God. Um, Here's Joseph in prison. He's done well. God's with him. And so the warden has noticed, given him positions of responsibility. And so it makes all the sense in the world that the warden would assign the care of the cupbearer and the baker to Joseph. He trusts Joseph, and he wants someone who can take good care of these men Because it would seem that the warden is under the belief that these two guys aren't going to stay here forever. And so I want someone who will take care of them in accordance with their standing in the king's court. And then ultimately he knows something will happen, but he doesn't yet know what it is. So he wants to be sure that... If either of them survive this, they can go back and say to Pharaoh, I was well taken care of by your warden. That, that would be important. So he assigns Joseph to take care of the cupbearer and the baker. All right. We go to the second part of verse 4. And we're now going to watch as God does what God is going to do in the life of Joseph. Verse 4, the second part. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who was being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. And I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. "'This is what it means,' Joseph said to him. "'The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness.' Mention me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head. Notice he said to the cupbearer, we'll lift up your head, but to the baker, we'll lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Aren't you glad you've already finished eating? Alright, we have here dual dreams. Again, we've seen this already. Egyptians at that time put great stock in dreams because they believed that dreams put you in contact with another world. Pairs of dreams meant certainty of fulfillment. And so the cupbearer and the baker want to know what the dreams mean because they believe the dreams to be significant and a prophecy of what's going to happen, but they just don't understand it. Being in prison prevented them from going to a dream interpreter of which there were quite a few who were well paid in Egypt. They were downcast. Joseph notices. He is sensitive. Joseph is no longer the brash teenager of the multicolored coat with the great long sleeves. He is a very sensitive man, and he notices the downcast look on the baker's face and the cupbearer's face. Time, hardship, and a close walk with God had softened his heart, which is exactly what should happen with us also. In the passing of time, going through hardship, coupled with, most importantly, an intimate walk with God, will soften our hearts and should make us more sensitive to the needs of those around us. So Joseph saw those two men and knew immediately something isn't right so notice his immediate bringing God into the conversation they want an interpretation of their dreams and Joseph says it isn't me who can do this but it is God who will reveal the meaning of your dreams Joseph is God dependent He's not been weakened in his faith in spite of the years in Egypt and in the dungeon. Furthermore, by his words, Joseph is confirming his continued belief that God will bring his own dreams to pass. Remember the dreams of Joseph. His family will bow before him. He believes God will bring that to pass. And he knows whenever it happens that there's a reason for it. His reference to God is bold considering the pagan environment in which he lives and the pagan heart that would have been the heart of the cupbearer and the baker. Now, Joseph's preparation for leadership is in full effect. Now, we've read the rest of the story for 95% of you or more. This is not your first time to read Genesis. So you know what's going to happen. So we can see God preparing Joseph for leadership. The leadership that he is going to have is beyond anything anyone could have imagined, even up to this point in time, except for God himself. Joseph is now sensitive. He's sympathetic to the plight of others. He's bold to point and to depend depend upon God's wisdom and direction. And his faith is strong. God is in control. God will keep his promises. And God is going to reveal the meaning of your dreams. So, first, the cupbearer. He reveals his dream. Joseph says, do, do you notice? There's not this, uh, give me a couple of days to think about this. Or he could have even been a little more spiritual and said, give me a couple of days to pray about it. He immediately knew because God revealed to him the meaning of the dream of the cupbearer. In three days, Pharaoh will restore you to your position. He will lift up your head, and that lifting up of the head here signifies a restoration of position and dignity. Now, your children... Do you ever remember that time of your child being downcast for whatever reason, something bad had happened or misbehavior that had been punished, whatever it may have been? And did you ever take the face of your child and lift that face up to look right into your eyes? You probably did. Or maybe you can remember your parents doing that to you. Here, Joseph is saying, your face is going to be lifted up. And you're going to look back into the eyes of Pharaoh, and you are going to serve him again, restored fully to your previous position, and it will happen in three days. And that's exactly what happened, as we shall see. Now, um, he had one request of the of the cupbearer. Please remember me. Please talk to Pharaoh about me. You're in a position to do that. Please let him know that I revealed the meaning of the dream. Let him know that I told you ahead of time what was going to happen. Talk to him. Tell him what a good job I've done serving you and the baker. Don't leave me in this place. First time we've seen a side of Joseph that reminds us that he knows God's in control, but... He doesn't want to be in this prison any longer. And so Joseph says to the cupbearer, please remember me. If we had not read the end of the story, it would, it would pierce our hearts to know that the cupbearer forgot Joseph. We, we, we think, how could he, how could he forget Joseph? But remember the cupbearer is a pagan. He's not a God believer. He doesn't have sensitive heart of Joseph so he's restored to his position and he jumps in as he wants to do a good job he's been in trouble for whatever reason and he just forgets about Joseph the baker the story for the baker is not a good one in three days your head will be lifted off And you will be impaled. Kind of gruesome to think about. You will be impaled. And your body will be propped up, most likely. A hole in the ground for the pole. And you'll just hang there and the birds will eat your flesh. Gruesome. Uh, Does that remind you of anything in the New Testament? When someone was crucified... What, what happened, uh, did the Romans always take those bodies down real quickly? No. The, the exception to that was, uh, of course, Jesus, and it was Passover time, and, and so that's, that's why God had all that orchestrated also. But normally, bodies would just hang there for days and days and days and days and days. And, days. and the Romans did that on purpose. They were barbaric, and they were delivering a message. If you break the law like this person broke the law, this is what will happen to you. They wanted everybody to see it. There was no such thing as political correctness among the Romans. It's like, you see this, you do it, and this will be you. Well, here, same thing. Whatever it is that the baker did, you can be sure the word spread... And the message was delivered. If you do anything like this, this will be you. And so it's a gruesome scene. Um, Again, we don't know what he did, but we know what happened. Now let's go to verse 20, and we're going to finish this chapter. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hands. But he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. Now, the scripture says this all took place before his officials. So they saw mercy and restoration. And then they saw the gruesome and the bloody, perhaps again leading us to think that the baker had betrayed Pharaoh, and so Pharaoh wants to be sure that all the other officials see this. Don't any of you think about doing this, or this will happen to you. Again, I can't say that for certainty, because the scripture does not but contextually it, it would make sense. Now, verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Now, I'm really glad that I do know the rest of the story because at this point, I would be so disappointed for Joseph and so upset with the cupbearer. However, God is orchestrating this. And with good reason, the cupbearer forgets. And he'll remember at just the right moment. Now, that's a reminder to us that God works in wonderful and marvelous ways. And often those ways are not exactly what we were hoping for, especially in regard to a timetable. But remember, God knows what is best. He has a master plan and what he does will be in perfect timing in accordance with his will so that's what we're seeing happen in roll out right before us so joseph was probably confident that he was going to get some assistance from the cupbearer but one day passed then another day and another day and another day and another day and finally whatever day it was joseph realized I'm not going anywhere, at least for right now. But remember, delay does not thwart God's plans. God is in control. And Joseph doesn't yet know what's going to happen, but his faith is strong, and we see it every step of the way. Now, chapter 41, to inject some small measure of humor in the midst of a story of somebody's head being lifted off and their body impaled i put the title for chapter 41 from the outhouse to the white house in a manner of speaking okay we're going to see that pharaoh has some dreams that he will want interpreted he doesn't have anybody in his entourage who can do it and then guess who's going to remember joseph How much time has passed? Two years. Two years. Now, I'll say this again in a minute, but what if the cupbearer had said to Pharaoh the day he was restored to his position, let me tell you about Joseph. What do you think the Pharaoh would have said? Okay, nice story. Move on. Two years later, Pharaoh needs somebody who can interpret his dreams. Joseph. So God's in control. Verse 1, chapter 41. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat. And they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. Now, understand grammatically the picture here is not like I've seen children's cartoons of this story, which are appropriately drawn for children, where the cows just, you know, there's one uh, frame, and there's all the cows. Second frame, only the ugly cows remain, so they don't show the ugliness of it. But the wording is that the dream would have, it wouldn't have been that the fat cows just disappear like that. It would have been that Pharaoh had to watch The ugly cows eat them bite by bite by bite. So now just let your imagination run with that one for a minute. This is, this is a cannibalistic dream and a horrific thing to have dreamed. No wonder he woke up. Okay. He fell asleep again, verse five, and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy head, full heads. Again, in a sense, a cannibalistic attack. Then Pharaoh woke up and it had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Um, I'm going to make a conjecture that some tried, and their stories were so obviously not realistic that Pharaoh rejected them. Again, I don't know that. I'm reading something into the text. But if you can imagine these people standing before Pharaoh knowing he he can have my head lifted off if I don't tell him what this dream means... I imagine some of them made the effort to try. They just lied. But but again, that's conjecture. So here are the dreams of Pharaoh. Now, do you see what's unfolding? The time has come. Finally. With almost half of his life now spent in Egypt, Joseph has stayed faithful to God. Now watch what God does next. Pharaoh's dreams are scary form of cannibalism he's shocked he's perplexed two dreams that awake him and remember Pharaoh is considered divine in Egypt the Pharaoh is considered to be a god a god with dreams must be important to himself and to the nation remember a pair of dreams in Middle Eastern thinking that signals importance And certitude, meaning it's important and it's going to happen. Whatever it is, it's going to happen. They're both violent, similar, and with one number of great importance. What's that number? Seven. You remember what seven means from our previous study of Revelation? It's a perfect number. Pharaoh is so stunned, but he he is not a clue. As to the meaning, so he calls in the magicians, they don't have a clue either. So we see God moving, Pharaoh doesn't see God yet. He doesn't believe in Israel's God. He himself is a God. But right now, he is confused and he wants to know the meaning of the dreams. So is there anyone who can help him? Yes, there is. Verse 9. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. There's a double meaning there. I'm reminded of my shortcomings. I'm reminded of whatever it is that made you mad at me to begin with or or made you suspect me. But there's another. You know what the other shortcoming is? I forgot Joseph. Ah. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me in the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph... And he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Now, we're going to have to stop as we're out of time. Cupbearer, staying always close to Pharaoh, here's everything that's going on. He knows Pharaoh can't understand his dreams. None of his magicians are able to help The cupbearer, like the light switch, they didn't have light switches then, but it's like the candle came on, and he remembers Joseph. And he lets Pharaoh know, I think I have somebody, let me tell you about him, and we'll take it from there. So that's where we'll start next Wednesday. Hope to see you here at that time. Father, we marvel at your grace, at your power, at your majesty. We marvel that you are orchestrating every step of Joseph's life. And we marvel at how you orchestrate our lives for your name's honor and glory. So I pray now that you'll carry us safely from this place, that we will tell others about Jesus, that our lives will honor you, and bring us together again next Wednesday for another time of the study of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.